Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Amen. Let's go ahead and pass those baskets. And let's finally jump into the word. Everybody said amen. Yeah, yeah. Whew. That was as rough for me as it was for you guys. Listen. Jacob was supposed to do announcements today, and Jacob's sick. That means I got to do them. All I want to do is preach. I don't want to talk about tax receipts and offering envelopes and offering baths. That stuff is boring to me. Let's talk about Jesus. But I did it because sometimes we don't all get to do what we want to do, do we? Guys, the the 9 o'clock service was powerful. And... uh, (laughs) Did anybody, like, little, the 9 o'clock service went a little long. Was anybody here, like, at 10.30 trying to get in the building? Yeah, you were stuck outside. Did you, did you peek your head inside? I know Margaret did. Did you? Yep. Yep. It was great. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're going to start today. Who was at our worship night Wednesday night? Our worship nights have been Fantastic. And we've got, another, we've got another one coming up this Wednesday night. And uh, this Wednesday night, we're going to have a time of worship. We're also going to have a time of anointing. So if you need, you know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah how the, the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. And so if you need healing in your body, if you need to be set free, come and we're going to pray and anoint you. Uh, we'll be anointing people. Pastor Blake and Adrian will be anointing people, and it's going to be a good time. So come join us. It's, it's one hour, seven to eight. You can clear your schedule, and you can make time to be in the presence of Jesus. You can make time to be set free and heal. If anything was important to you, I'll tell you what, being set free in the presence of Jesus should be at the top of your list. But when, when we were finishing up worship uh, Wednesday night, uh, I was trying to communicate something that the Spirit of the Lord had put in my heart for today. And I was trying to communicate it. I was asking people if they'd ever seen like a, a, a picture of a tree that had stuff that had grown into it. Was anybody here? Remember me talking about that? Okay, well, I went and found some pictures this morning. So uh, can we put up that first picture? So this is what I was talking about. And so, you know, uh, this is a, it's got like a real scientific name. I don't know what it is. I, I literally tried to, like I looked it up and it was like so many letters and characters, I just, I was like, forget it. I'm going to tell people it has a scientific name. If they really care that much, they can go find it themselves. (laughs) But, so this is a real phenomenon, and what it is, is when things, some trees, when things are placed too close to it, the tree just begins to grow over it, and and surround it, and swallow it up. Uh, Let's look at this next picture here. This is a picture of, this is a bike and this bike's actually, you can tell in the picture, obviously, that this, this bike is elevated off the ground. Uh, and so somebody just didn't show up with a rusted bike and jam it through a tree. Um, this tree has grown around this bike. And this, this is actually a famous uh, bike in a tree. I don't I, I guess you'd call it a famous bike in a tree. And um, it's in Scotland. And um, the, the story is this bike is from a boy who was on his way to join up for World War I and rode his bike to wherever they were signing up and listing, left his bike on the side of the tree and never came home to come get it. And the bike and the tree just became one. And you can see that as the tree, um, as it grows and it envelops things around it, it just lifts it up because the tree's always growing up, growing higher. And you can see that's why the tree is lifted off the ground. I'm showing you these pictures because I truly believe, and I want you to listen to me. 
I believe, I, I told her to be a prayer on this Wednesday night. I believe that today is a significant day in the house. I believe that the Spirit of God is here in this place today. And there are people in this room right now that the enemy has brought things to them and leaned up against their tree. Whether it's sins, whether it's addictions, whether it's hurts that they could never get over, wounds, traumas, abuse, neglect, hate. And these things have become part of us. And we've carried them through life. And they have become part of us like this tree and this bike have become one. And the Spirit of God today is wanting to take these things out of us and make us new and free and whole. There's a next picture here that I want to show you. And this is a picture of a tombstone in a tree. And I thought it was powerful because I believe that there are people here in this room right now that are saying that there are things in my life that I will never get over and that I will never be set free with and I will carry them to the grave with me. Maybe there's secret sins that you think nobody knows about. Well, the Lord knows. And the Lord just doesn't want you just to carry a secret sin to your grave. The Lord wants to set you free once and for all and bring deliverance and healing. And I'm telling you, today is the day. <laughs> mm -mm. Okay. So here, I told the people in the 9 o'clock service this. You're all looking at me like, okay, sure, whatever, Jake. We'll see. We'll see. What do you got, preacher man? <clears throat> I told the people in the 9 o'clock service that I, I've, been thinking, <laughs> I've been thinking about this the last few days. Um, because if Jesus was here in this room physically, like, like you can see me, like if you could see Jesus in the room, there would not be one person in this place that had any hesitation or question about what he wanted to do in their life and what he would do in their life. Am I right? So I've been thinking that maybe we need to <laughs> have like a Jesus chair on the front row, like a chair reserved for Jesus, so that we all remember that Jesus is here in this place. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered in his name, what? He's in our midst. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Inhabits means to live in, to dwell. So God is in this place. Just because we can't see him doesn't mean he's not here. Just because we can't see him and God says, listen, man, I want to work in your life today. Those things, where'd my picture go? Let's put that picture up. Those things that you've been carrying around in your life, all your life, and you thought this will never leave, Jesus sees it and he says, I want to set you free today. I came to bring healing. I came to bring restoration. I came to bring reconciliation. I'm here to do a work in your life. And we would never doubt that if we saw him sitting there. But I want to tell you today, Jesus is in the house. And he's ready to go to work in your life today. So, I want you. As I'm talking for the next few minutes, and I may go a little longer than usual, so give me some liberty this morning. I don't usually take advantage of you, and I don't usually talk a long time. I try very hard 
to stay very tuned to my 30-minute time clock. It's right there. It already tells me I have 22 minutes left. But listen, some days, some things require a little more time. Okay? I won't abuse it. I won't go too long. But there's some things I believe by the Spirit of God that he wants to do today. So just give me a little bit of grace. Is that okay? We'll be done by 4 o'clock. Don't worry. Brendan, unfold your arms, man. Just get comfortable. Just get ready to receive, man. Oh, okay, okay. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're going to start. Before we jump in here, well, actually, let's read the first few verses, and then I'm going to give you some history. We're going to have a history lesson for a minute. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 20 says, after this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meonites. I always love that name, the Meonites. I always want to make all kinds of jokes about it. The Meonites and the Uanites and the Usanites declared war on Jehoshaphat. A messenger came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hazazon Tamar. It's another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified. We're going to stop right there for a second. Jehoshaphat was terrified. Now remember, all morning long, I want you to remember that God is wanting to take you from that gnarly-looking tree and rip and pull out all those things inside of you that aren't there by his plan. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So I want you, when I'm talking, I want you to be an expectation of Jesus moving in your life. I want you to think to yourself, Jesus is sitting right here, ready to work in my life today. So, Jehoshaphat was terrified. And the, the chapter starts off, and it starts with the word, after this. So, when you see things like that, you got to stop and begin to ask yourself some questions. Well, after what? And why was Jehoshaphat terrified? We know that Jehoshaphat, if you look like in chapter 18, I think, maybe chapter 17, you find out that Jehoshaphat has an army of like 1.16 million soldiers, I think is like the actual number. 1.16 million soldiers, no big deal. That's like 2 billion times bigger than Canada's army, right? Like he had a lot of soldiers, and, and so it says he was terrified, but why was he terrified? He wasn't terrified necessarily because he didn't have enough military might, because he had a lot of military might. And actually, when it talks about his soldiers, it talks about how skilled they were. But you got to go back to the beginning, and so if you go back to like chapter 14, you'll find out about his dad, and his dad's name was Asa, and Asa, when Asa first became king of Judah, there was a time when an Ethiopian came and decided to come ta attack Judah. And this Ethiopian showed up with a million soldiers and was ready to go to war with them. And at the time, King Asa only had like 580,000 soldiers, which still seems like a lot. That's like five times the population of Abbotsford, four times our population of our entire city. But uh, it still was like just a little bit more than half of what this other army was. And so what Asa did was Asa ran to the Lord, the Bible says, and he said, uh, nobody can help us but you. And it's, this is actually in 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 11 we do not have the scripture for this they don't even know i'm talking about this it says then asa cried out to the lord as god no one can help us but but you um the power we are powerless against the mighty help us O lord for we trust in you alone it's your name that we have come against or it's your name that we have come against this this vast hold O lord you are our god 
do not let uh, pure men prevail against you. So he ran to God in the midst of this chaos. And the Bible says that he went out and they slaughtered him. They took him to school. They like beat him. The Bible says they chased him all around and they got all the plunder from him. There was nothing left from these guys. And he says, the Bible says, as they came back to their city, that this prophet came out and said, hey, because God says, because you sought me and because you put me first, I will be with you as long as you seek me and I will never abandon you until or unless you abandon me. And so King Asa said, listen, we are gonna seek the Lord as a nation. He said, we are gonna seek God with all that we have. And he was so serious about it, in fact, that he said, listen, here's your two choices. This includes men. The Bible says this. This includes men, women, and kids. These are your two choices. You can either choose to serve God and make him your Lord and Savior, or you can die. Great choices. I'll take living, so I will serve the Lord. And the Bible says that because they made this choice, that they prospered and had peace for the next 20 years of their life. And when he was ruling and reigning, he just began to prosper. People weren't at war with him. For 20 years, two decades, everything was great. The Bible says, actually, that he was so serious about this. Jehoshaphat's dad, King Asa, he was so serious about this that he found out that his grandma, who was the queen mother, had, had created an Asherah pole, which was like a, a shrine, a pole to worship other gods. He deposed her as queen and said, you're done, hit the road. Even though you're my grandma and I love you and I'm so thankful for you and all the sweet little candies and the cookies you give me, all the treats, all the little hugs, and you took me for walks to the park, you're done because we're serious about the Lord. And so he got rid of her because she was serving another God. That's how serious King Asa was. Now listen, so he has 20 years of good time and then chapter 16 hits. And in chapter 16, something happens. After all this two decades of being at peace and not having to worry about anything and growing and prospering, the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 16 that another nation comes out and says, let's go attack them. We're going to go to war against King Asa. And so what King Asa does, he just packs up all his gold. He's like, well, okay, here's what we're going to do. Packs up all his gold, and he sends it to another king. He says, I'm sending you my gold because this guy came out. He's like, let's make a treaty. How about you join my side, and uh, we're, we're a team now, and that guy's like not on your team anymore, basically. And the guy says, okay, great. And so he teams up with another person. The mistake he makes is he doesn't run to the Lord. See, a lot of us in our life, we get so comfortable when things are easy and smooth sailing that we begin just to trust in ourselves. We begin to trust in the government. We begin to trust in our job. We begin to trust in our friends and our family and our grandmas and our grandpas and all those kind of things. And then what happens is when something bad hits, instead of running to the Lord right away, you run to those other sources. And the Bible says that a prophet named Hanani comes out. And Hanani says, hey man, you made a mistake. You didn't run to God, you ran to man. And because you didn't come and seek me like you did the first time 20 years ago, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have war in the rest of your ruling as king over Judah. Now it's interesting to me that the Lord didn't say, I'm done with you, I'm packing up, I'm out of here. He said you're going to have war. Now why do you think that is? It's because the Lord wanted to give Asa another chance to come back to him again and put his hope and trust and faith in him. That's why he didn't depart. That's why he just said you're going to have war. And so what Asa does 
is instead of saying, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I made a big mistake. Ah, please forgive me. What can I do to fix this? Instead of saying all that stuff, what Asa does is he gets mad and he throws the prophet in jail and begins to torture his own people. The Bible says then that Asa gets a foot disease. And he has it for two years and then he dies. And the Bible says that even in his sickness with his foot disease, I don't know, maybe he had gout. Maybe he grew a sixth toe. I don't know what happened. He just had some kind of foot disease. The Bible says that even in his sickness, he did not cry out to God. He died in his stubbornness, unwilling to yield and return to the Lord. So then Jehoshaphat becomes king. Now hang on. This is a lot of history, okay? I understand that. But it's important to understand all this and to know this. So when we get to chapter 20, we understand the context of why Jehoshaphat was terrified. So we get to Jehoshaphat becomes king. Jehoshaphat is serious about serving the Lord. The whole like chapter, I think it's chapter 17, it goes through and it says that uh, Jehoshaphat followed the example of his father's early years. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord in verse 6. Um, then in verse like 7 to verse 9, it talks about how Jehoshaphat was so deeply committed that he sent out his officials and Levites, who were like the worship team, and priests, and he gave the priest scrolls, and he sent them out to all the surrounding villages so that they could learn about God. It wasn't just enough for King Jehoshaphat to know about God. He wanted everybody in his kingdom and the surrounding cities to know who God was and to serve God. That's how important. This is like, this is a real evangelist, man. He's like, I'm going to take this good news out. And see, so he goes and he sends the word out. And the Bible says that because he did, because he did this, deep fear for the Lord fell on all the surrounding nations, and nobody wanted to attack him. And in fact, it says even his enemies were bringing him gifts of sheep and rams and gold and all these kind of things because they didn't want to attack him. There was fear of God on everybody because of his love and commitment to the Lord. And so we go on, and what happens in chapter 18 is uh, Jehoshaphat, as he grows up and he gets older and older, he sends one of his sons off. To marry King Ahab. Do you know King Ahab? Put your hands up if you know King Ahab so I can see who knows. King Ahab, for those of you who don't know, King Ahab was the king of Israel and he was not a good king. He had a wife named Jezebel. Who knows who Jezebel is? Yeah, we all know Jezebel, don't we? We all know Jezebel. And so he, Jehoshaphat, aligns himself with King Ahab. And he goes and visits King Ahab. He sends, he sends one of his sons, and he makes a treaty, and his son marries King Ahab's daughter, and they have, like, this royal union and all kind of stuff. And that's what you did back then. But you didn't do it with bad people, right? The Bible says that you can't walk with somebody. You can't be unequally yoked. And this is what Ahab and Jehoshaphat are, because Ahab was a bad dude. He did bad stuff. And so one day, Ahab and Jehoshaphat are with each other, and Ahab says to him, hey, um, Let's go attack this other place together. Will you come with me? And Jehoshaphat says, yeah, let's do this. Let's go to war on these people. And Jehoshaphat says, but before we go, can we just uh, like find out what the Lord says about this? Is there a prophet that we can ask? And so Ahab says, yeah, I got a bunch of prophets. Because he had 400 prophets of Baal, a bad God that you should not worship. And he shouldn't have worshiped. So they bring these 400 prophets of Baal. And they're all saying, oh, yes, king, you should go to war. You'll have victory. Do it. Do it, man. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Go. Woohoo! King Ahab for the win. 
And so Jehoshaphat says, okay, great, but is there any, is there any prophets who serve the Lord, like, that we could ask? And so he's like, well, there is this one. I, and I, I was telling everybody in the first service, I love this part of the story, because King Ahab says, well, there is this one prophet that we could ask, but honestly, he says, I hate this guy. It's what it says in the Bible. He says, I hate this guy. He said he never prophesied anything basically but doom and gloom. And so he's like, but we can go ask him. And so they send the guy off to go find this dude. His name's Micaiah. And they, they send like a little page or an errand boy or whoever you send in those days to go find him and bring him. And the guy shows up to Micaiah the prophet and says, listen, hey, the King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat want to see you. They're thinking about going to war. Uh, you should know, by the way, that there's been 400 other prophets that have prophesied a big yes, a big win for him. So you should just get in line and just prophesy the same thing so that they're all on the same page. Don't cause any waves, no ripples. Just say yes, and everything's going to be good. So he shows up, and Micaiah shows up, and Ahab and Jehoshaphat are there, and, and Ahab says, so uh, what's the word, man? What's the Lord saying to you? And he's like, oh, yeah. The Bible actually says he answers sarcastically. That's what the Bible says. Micaiah says sarcastically, oh, yes, go. You'll have a great victory. Go do it. And the king, Ahab, gets mad. He says, see, I hate this guy. I told you, the Bible says, when you talk to me, to always tell the truth. This is like my paraphrase, but it says those words in there. And so he said, fine, this is what I see. And Micaiah begins to prophesy and say, listen, I was in the court of the Lord, and I was watching a conversation. He was actually in the court of heavens, observing the Lord and the angels talking. And he says, the Lord said that they're going to trick you into going to battle and fighting this thing, and you're going to die because of it, because Ahab was no good and he needed to be gone. And so this is what's going to happen. If you're going to go to war, you're going to die. Ahab's like, I don't like this guy. Throw him in jail and give him bread and water till I come back, and then we'll see who's right. And Micaiah, the last thing he says, everybody is like, mark my words. The New Living Translation says, he's like, mark my words. This is what's going to happen. So they go off to battle, Bible says, and um, Ahab, being the coward that he is, actually says, hey, we're going to go out to war, but uh, today I'm not going to wear my king clothes. I'm going to wear my normal guy clothes. And he says to Jehoshaphat, you wear your king clothes, be like a king. I'll wear my normal clothes, and, uh, you know, we'll go to war then. Bible says they go out to war, and the guy that was attacking them, the Bible says, this is so interesting. I'm sorry, this is taking a really long time. We're going somewhere. Do not forget that God wants to bring freedom to your life today. Be in expectation. Jesus is here in the room, and he wants to take those things out of you that have grown into you and become part of you that are not supposed to be there. But hang on, we're going somewhere. I'm laying a foundation. And so, they go to war. Jehoshaphat's dressed up as a normal king. Ahab is in, like, disguise. And what they don't know is the king that was attacking them said, hey, here's what I want you to do, man. I just want King Ahab dead so don't worry about anybody else. Just go kill the king. When you see the king in his clothes, head out there, kill him, forget the other soldiers. Well, they head out there, and of course, all they see is who? Jehoshaphat is the only one that's dressed up in king's clothes. And so the Bible says they start running towards Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat cries out to the Lord to save him. They look and say, hey, this isn't Ahab. What a joke. So the Bible says they turn around and go back. And just for fun... One of the soldiers that was still up on the hill somewhere, just for fun, fires an arrow off at the other army. Woo! I'm going to shoot one arrow. If I'm going to war, I'm going to shoot one arrow at least. There's always one guy. You can't tell me not to shoot. Yeah, I did my part. Just one dude all by himself. Woo! Just for fun. That guy over there, he's dead. The Bible says that one guy, this arrow goes, whoop, 
goes right between his, the parts of his armor, stabs him, right into him. Who was that guy? King Ahab. Bible says it. He's like, oh man, I'm done, I've been hit. Tells the chariot, he's like, I've been hit, let's get out of here. He dies at the end of the day. Now, chapter 19, chapter, you cannot hide from the Lord. That is right. You cannot hide. That's a word for somebody. You can't hide from God. And in fact, I think it's in, well, yes, it is somewhere. It's in chapter 16. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. You can't hide from his eyes. He's watching. Chapter 19, Jehoshaphat of Judah arrives safely at home in Jerusalem. And now here we go. They don't have this on the screen, so don't worry about it. I'm just going to read this to you for a second. Jehu, who is the son of Hanani. Remember, Hanani was the one who showed up to his dad and said, you did wrong because you didn't consult the Lord. And because you did, you're going to have war the rest of your life. And his dad got mad. This guy, his son shows up, Jehu, and he says, why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Talking about serving Ahab and combining with him. Because of what you've done, the Lord is very angry with you. Even so, there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asherah poles throughout the land, and you have committed yourself to seeking God. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Don't you feel like Jehoshaphat's probably like, oh man, this is kind of what my dad did. And then suddenly, in chapter 20, we begin, and it says, after this, the other armies show up ready to come and take Jehoshaphat to war. And you got to know that Jehoshaphat is probably terrified because this is the same thing that happened to his dad. The same scenario. And he's wondering to himself, is this my end because I didn't, because I aligned myself with someone who was wicked, because I've done something I shouldn't have done? Uh, is this the end? And is this, is this God going to take me out and, and end my rule? And so the Bible says that he is terrified. So in verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Look at this is what I want to show you for a second. In this verse 3 right here, Jehoshaphat does the exact opposite of what his dad did. Asa had the chance to repent and turn to God and ask for forgiveness and make things right. And rely on God again. But instead, Asa got mad and did the wrong thing. Did the opposite thing of what he should have done. Here we see Jehoshaphat. He says, these armies shows up. And what does he do? He runs to God. And the Bible says that he begins to beg and calls a prayer and fasting time. I want to tell somebody in this room, your family's legacy doesn't have to be yours. The way that your mama or your daddy or your grandparents did life, the wrong choices they made, the things that they did that they shouldn't have done, doesn't have to be your story. You can turn it around. 
Instead of Jehoshaphat doing what his dad did, Jehoshaphat said, man, I made a mistake. And what I need to do is I need to run to God. And I need to run to God and beg him for his guidance. And he said, God, I made a mess. What am I supposed to do here? And in fact, we're going to go beyond just asking God for guidance. We're going to call a fast. And the fast isn't just for me. The fast is for a whole nation. So get your butts to church because we're having a fast is what he said. Verse 5 says, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land? When your people Israel arrived, and did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with calamities such as war, plague, or famine, we can come stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. Everybody say, whenever. When's whenever? Is whenever yesterday? Is when, well, it could have been. <laughs> Is whenever tomorrow? How about like uh, March 32nd, 2094? There'll be a March 32nd by then. Don't worry. It's coming. Whenever is whenever. And listen, here's the great thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So no, not only whenever now, whenever and wherever you are, when you find yourself in calamity, who's found themselves at some point in their life in calamity? There are seven honest people in this room. Whenever you find yourself in calamity, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, you can now go whenever and wherever you are into his presence and begin to cry out to him. And it says, we can come to you and stand in your presence where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. I'm here to tell you today, God wants to do some rescuing. God wants to do some saving today. God wants to do some restoring today in the house. You're getting there. You're getting there. You'll believe me by the end of this message. <laughs> Wherever and whenever you need to, you can cry out to the Lord and he will rescue you and save you. Let's keep going. Verse 10 says, And now, he's still praying, we see the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir are doing. You wouldn't let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and didn't destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for our help. Listen, 
This is a major key for your life. We don't know what to do. The doctor can't fix this. The bank man can't fix this. The government can't fix this. The counselor can't fix this. I am looking to you for my help. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. But I know that I can run to you. And you will rescue and save me. And it comes on here in verse 13. And it says, As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with the little ones, wives and children. See how they're all together? Do you see how the moms and dads didn't leave their kids at home? Do you see how the whole nation was praying and fasting as one? Parents, raise your children in the ways that they should go. Bring your kids to church. Don't just let your kids sit down all the time. Make them stand up and worship the Lord. Show them. Lead them. I think I've told you this. I'm going to tell you again. There's been times in my life, not recently, obviously, because I'm a grown man now. There was times in my life where I stood on the front row during worship with my dad. And I stood there because I was an awkward teenage boy. Bored out of my mind. It was before I played guitar, before I was on the worship team. Probably had my hands in my pocket. Had my cool hair. I used to have hair. My hair was like <laughs> this cool, like, Zach Morris thing going on. I thought I was cool. Jen always called it Hawaii Five-O. Whatever, whatever that means. Had my hands in my pockets. And I, countless times, well, not countless, but a few times, I remember my dad leaning over with a smile on his face and his hands raised to the Lord. Raise your hands and worship the Lord. I'll take you in the office and beat you. But Jen said, I should let you know I'm American. <laughs> Apparently, Americans are brute, brutes. There's something wrong with Americans. Yes, we are from the southern United States. We grew up differently. What was he doing? He was leading me in the way of the Lord, saying, when we, when we come to the house of the Lord, you're going to worship the Lord. This is what we're doing. Clap your hands. We clap our hands. Raise your hands. Why? Because you're surrendering yourself to someone greater than you. You're surrendering. That's why we lift our hands and worship. Not because we think we're some weird trees waving in the wind. We lift our hands because we're surrendering to the Lord. It's a sign of surrender. Parents, you're not your, you're not your kids' buddies. Can I just say that? Your job isn't to be a pal to your kids. You'll be a pal one day when they're older. But when they're young, they need raising. They need leading. They need guiding. So here they all brought them to the, they brought everybody together. Spirit of the Lord came upon them in verse 14. The men standing there, his name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah. Bunch of other people he's kids of. Verse 15 he said, this is what he says. Listen all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and I'm saying to you today, listen, Hope City Church, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley. 
that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. Though you will not even need to fight, take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem and Hope City Church. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. These people were praying and fasting for God to move in their life. And this was the Lord's response. This isn't your battle, it's my battle. I want you to come out to the battlefield and I want you to watch me go to work. Don't worry about it. You don't have to do anything. Just show up and watch and see what I've done for you. You know, if you're reading the Bible plan, you would have seen the scripture that we came across in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Does anybody remember this scripture? Can you put it up here, Ethan? Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 says this. It's coming slowly. It's going to go. Oh, okay. It says, it's not on this screen. It says, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day. Everybody say first day. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come to answer your prayer. This was on day 24 of his 21 days of fasting. And this is the Lord Jesus. This is the pre-incarnate Christ that has showed up to Daniel, and he's saying, hey, I want you to know since the first moment you began to pray and fast, your prayer was heard in heaven. Since you began this fast, since you began to seek the Lord on this fast, you personally, I'm not talking about generic people, I'm talking to y'all sitting here right now. The Lord is saying, since you began this fast, your prayers and your requests have been heard in heaven, and he has been sent to answer them for you. And today, if you will accept it and receive the work of the cross there is freedom in the house for you verse 18 we're almost done we're almost done verse 18 the king Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same worshiping the Lord then the Levites the clans of Korah and Korath stood to praise the Lord the God of Israel with a very loud shout everybody say very loud shouts Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and he said, he's like, listen, everybody, I want you to stop. I want you to listen to me for a minute. They are on their way to the battlefield. I don't, I don't imagine they took any swords, any knives, any spears, any throwing stars, any nunchucks. They left all the weapons at home. Because the Lord said, you don't have to fight this battle. You just have to go out and watch it. And they step out in faith, trusting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they say, okay. So they leave everything at home. They get up early in the morning. And what do they do? They begin to march their way to the battlefield. They all line up and they say, well, here we go. And they're marching out to the battlefield, not to go fight, but to show up and watch what God has done for them. They believe so much in Jesus. They believe so much that Jesus is sitting in that chair that they know even though the battle hasn't even started yet, that he's going to do something for them. So it's like they've got their tickets to go watch a, bo a boxing match 
that they don't even have to be part of. So they all pack up and they begin to march out. And Jehoshaphat stops everybody and says, listen to me. Before we go out there, I want you to listen to me, people. And he says this, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Amen. And so what do they decide to do? After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. How crazy is this? How crazy is it? You're going to a battlefield. You're fighting cancer. You're fighting addiction. You're fighting brokenness in your marriage. You say to yourself, I should be going to counselors. I should be taking every kind of medicine I can find. I should be seeking help. I should be in groups. I should be doing this, and I should be doing this. And the Lord says, what you should be doing is singing on your way to the battlefield. Come on. (laughs) Sing your way to victory. Sing your way to victory. The word. So he says, well, we don't have any soldiers ready to fight. Nobody brought their swords. Even that one guy who always has his blow dart on him left it at home. I guess what we can do is begin to give thanks and praise to God for what we believe he's going to do in our life. (laughs) Do you know where I'm going? Do you know where I'm going with this? march out and they put the worship leaders in the front. They begin to sing a song. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. You know what I just noticed? It's not, oh God, I need you so bad. That's right. It's gonna go really bad if you don't help me. I need you, I need you, I need you. Why me? Oh, why me? Come on, sing, babe. Have you sang that song before? Everybody else has a better Lord. My life stinks. even been won yet. They're on their way to the battlefield. (laughs) I'm telling you, God wants to do something today in your life. Jesus is here. He wants to set you free today. (laughs) Come on now. Tell you what. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, Jaden. Come on, buddy. They begin a song, sing a song of praise and thanksgiving. Even before the battle's been fought. The Bible says this. At the very moment they began to sing praises. At the very moment they began to sing praises. Stand up with me. 
At the very moment, they began to sing praises. What happens? What happens? What happens to them? At the very moment, they began to sing and give praises. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. They attacked each other, and one army attacked the other army, and the other, then when that one was all gone, then the other one attacked the other one. The Bible says at the very end of verse 24, not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Not a single one. Tell you, I'm telling you today. I'm telling you today, Jesus is here. Jesus is here today. And he wants to bring freedom. He wants to remove that tombstone from the tree of your life. He wants to remove that bike that has wedged itself in there and has become part of you for the last 43 years and make you whole and new and make you look like the person he created you. He wants to remove those tormenting thoughts. He wants to remove those lies of anger and hatred and wickedness. He wants to bring healing and restoration. He wants to heal the trauma. He wants to set you free today. And the Bible says, at the very moment when they put their faith and their hope in Jesus, even though nothing had happened yet, the Bible says, at that moment, at that moment, at that moment, is when the Lord began to cause confusion in the camp they all began to kill each other. Thank you, Father. And not a single one of them was left. Thank you, Jesus. When God does a work in your life, listen to me. When God does a work in your life, it's not some halfway work. It's not some shoddy craftsmanship. It doesn't look good on the outside and falls apart two days later when you get it home and the warranty expires. When you begin to cry out and sing songs of praise and thanksgiving, the Lord's going to begin to work on your behalf. I can sense some of your questions. I can feel some of the questions in the room. What's this guy going to ask us to do? Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.